Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Marjorie Punnett. I'm Elizabeth Reese. This is Best to the Nest, the podcast that's all about creating strong, comfortable, beautiful nests that prepare us to fly. Today, it's pretty interesting. We're talking about how to take back and how to protect our mental health. And it's inspired by an opinion column in the New York Times about the tennis player that a couple of weeks ago said, "Uh uh-uh, not going to play by your rules, even if you find me. Hello, Naomi Osaka. Yeah, so this was the beginning. I'm going to read you a little bit from this opinion piece by Kelly Corduki. She writes, This week, a woman ambitious enough to become the world's second-ranked women's tennis player at 23 chose to prioritize her personal well-being above the opportunity to play in in one of the sport's most critical tournaments. Naomi Osaka announced Monday that she would withdraw from the French Open just days after tennis officials fined her $15,000 and threatened to oust her from the tournament for opting out of its mandatory news conference. Ms. Osaka explained via Twitter that speaking to the international media takes a heavy toll on her mental health, compounding the anxiety inherent to Grand Slam tournaments. I thought it was better to exercise self-care, she wrote, adding that the tournament's rules mandating press access are outdated. Here's the best part. Setting aside the unfair public scrutiny that is often leveled at black women athletes like Miss Osaka, the tennis star's choice echoes another broader phenomenon. Far and wide, in public and in private, workers are choosing personal boundaries over professional ambitions. Rather than comply with mandates to return to the office, employees are quitting altogether. Job vacancies in the United States are at a 20-year high. The problem, as others have noted before me, is not a sudden scourge of laziness. The problem is work. Mm. I think this is a big darn deal. I think this is so interesting, especially how it relates to what we talk about every week on Best of the Nest, is how to family, how to balance your family and work and all of the other pressures that come at us in this country. It's a boiling point. We reached a boiling point, and it's now just bubbling over. And I think particularly for women. Now, Naomi Osaka aside, because she's 23 and she's not balancing kids at home and all of those different things that come along with it. But we talked multiple times on the podcast and quoted a lot of articles that were talking about the undue strain that the pandemic was placing upon women because women were not only then working outside of the home, as many do, Also then, even if you're working outside of the home, statistically speaking, you're still shouldering the majority of the housework, in quotes, but like household management, household work, household chores, and then add on the fact that the vast majority of us had children who were learning at home. And so that was 
to me, I think the pot was already bubbling. The yeah. lid was like, <laughs> and then it was like tea kettle sounding the alarm. Yeah. We're hitting full explosion level where women just started to go for the love of God and all that is holy. How much do you expect me to do? Like yeah. it is impossible to do it's all of this. Impossible. And I think also what COVID showed people is I think in some ways how nice to have a little bit more control of your schedule. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are all those jokes and memes going around of like people at Target. Yeah, I'm at work. But what being remote does is allow you to work at your own pace in some ways. And I don't right. think workers, I think for the most part, most workers didn't do less work. In a lot of ways, they probably did more, but they were able to do it around their own schedules. This is the kids schooling issues aside. Right. And I think what people realized is I like being at home. I like working from home. Once the kids are back in school, this would be awesome because I can take a, I can do a conference call. I can throw in a load of laundry. I can put the dishes away. I mean, we all know what it's like to run off for work. Your house is a mess. You're going to come back to it and you're tired. Mm -hmm. And I think working from home allowed you to sort of float about your house a little bit more. But this idea that Job vacancies are at a 20-year high. There's a, there is a lot going on here about how people are feeling about work and how it should influence their lives. And I think her ability to step back and say, I don't have to do this. How do you pronounce your last name again? Osaka? Osa- Naomi Osaka, yeah. For her to be able to say, I don't want to do that press conference. That's a work boundary I'm not going to cross. It doesn't help my tennis game. My work is tennis. Right. I'm done. And it sort of reminded me, my oldest son was saying something. He was, he sort of lived in our radio career. I mean, when you're both on the air doing a radio show, your mom and dad are both on the air. It can't help but infiltrate your life as a child as well. Mm-hmm. And as an adult, when he started being a little bit in the media world too, he's like, you know, you guys didn't do a lot outside of the radio show. And couldn't you have been even more successful had you done that? I love that that's Gar's perspective. That <laughs> There's the producer great. in him. Yeah, it's really great. I this, I, You guys didn't do that much. You could have been doing more. You could have been to, working harder. That's really great. I you, love that. You you weren't – and I said no because we made the choice that at night we needed to show prep and we wanted to be home with you guys. You guys had homework. You had stuff to do. And, you know, we easily could have been out five nights a week. Ah, uh, yes. And, and that just wouldn't have been good for our family that was a professional boundary we didn't cross. Was it the right decision or the wrong decision? I don't know. Everybody get, gets to make their own decisions. But I know with great intention that we were sort of taking money off the table to stay home. And that was a boundary for us because we needed. We felt like we needed to be home. And I think, I think a lot of times we feel like we have to do certain things. Like she, so many tennis players, when she stood up and said, I'm not going to do that press conference. Right, right. I think that's fascinating that she was willing to take the hit on that. Mm -hmm. I think that's a big darn deal. And I think it's a good example for the rest of us. I think it is too. And it's interesting to think about what those boundaries are, having a clear idea and then also being okay that they can shift at certain times and in different times. And also just being willing to handle the consequences of that. I mean, we, we have a cultural problem in that we live to work instead of work to live. I mean, this has been just a dichotomy between us and the French for many, many years. I'm surprised (laughs) it hasn't started some sort of revolution. 
Because, I mean, you know, that's what, like, Italians will tell you. The French will tell you. I don't think the British will tell you that much. But, like, look at all these wonderful nations where they're like, oh, Americans, you, yeah. ugh, all you do is work. Oh, you work. You know, and then it's like in America, it's like, oh, France shuts down for six weeks at the end of the yeah. summer and the Spanish are taking a siesta. And we sort of have this, like, superiority complex. Like, aren't we so much better than them right. that we We're don't so do that? Productive. We're, so much, We're so much more productive. Yeah. And guess who will tell you that they're enjoying your their life more? Americans are not collectively a happy group of people. I don't you can look are. at stats that show that, though, that we are very low on the happiness scale when it comes to industrialized nations. It's starting and, to make me kind of sad. And I don't, yes! know, if this, I don't know if this is yes! because I'm getting older and I'm looking back, but it's kind of making me sad that with all of... We in our family always used to say to to whom much is given, much is expected. And I kind of feel like a twist on that. To whom much is given, be happy, damn it. Although, <laughs> although we we hate the happy word, you and I. But I, think I know. We're not a happy people. Be happy, I don't think damn it. Con- That's funny. We're not a content people. We're not content. We're not fulfilled. And we are never feeling like enough is enough. It's this yeah. constant, we need more. We should have more. We should be more. We should be better. And I think this is where the revolt is happening. This is where, and we talked about that with, with Jamie Varen's words, when we talked about her words on Instagram, on the podcast of what if we didn't have to build an empire? Right. And I think about that. Her first words on that Instagram post, what if we didn't have to build an empire? To right. me, is like... I think that is the most freeing thing that you can think. That why is it not enough to... Find a job that you enjoy, that you are expressing who you are and expressing what your talents are. Have a a safe, clean, lovely home where your family can fit and has space and has heat and warmth and comfort. I mean, why is it that we have to always be searching for the next best thing? Even like, is this your forever house? Is this right. your forever house or are you looking for another house? And right. I'm not saying I'm not guilty of doing this, but oh, I'm guilty or, of everything. Or are you looking on the, are you looking for the next thing? Like right. when, when are you going to get a new car? When are you going to have another baby? I mean, it's just, it's the constant searching for more and the complete lack of being content in the moment is, is a terrible American trait. It's horrendous. Well, well, I think what's interesting about that, we have a friend that used to come visit us in Minnesota every year, and she lived in, she was living in Copenhagen. Oh, where our friend Danny lives. We need to go there and visit her. We do need to go visit her. Danny, we're coming for you. We don't want anything, except now we want to go to Copenhagen. (laughs) Um, But consistently inconsistent. That's what Elizabeth and I are good at. But That's what we are. um, Her husband was a photographer and turned into a pretty successful photographer. But they used to come visit, and we would have these wonderful times with them. And a lot of the striving that we do in this country, they would talk about not having to worry about. Mm -hmm. He was able to really develop as a photographer because he had no student loans. College was free. Mm -hmm. Um, Healthcare is kind of covered. Moms were encouraged to stay home for a full year. There were a lot of social services, and... I'm not a socialist. I'm not going to get into politics here. But I think a lot of our striving, if you think about it, even as Americans, when you think about what, and I don't want to make you nauseous this morning, but what you have to save for college is such an insane amount of money unless you decide, you know, that no, 
kids, you're going to have to figure it out on your own, which a lot of parents do. And I get it. But you were joking with me once about how much I had spent on my kids' education, and I got very sick. (laughs) (laughs) So I just think that there are lots of things that we as Americans have to provide for ourselves and to make sure that we're okay. So that's part of the striving. But the other part of that opinion piece was goes back to what you were saying earlier, is sort of what gets in our way is ambition as women that where does our ambition take us and does it really take us to places that are healthy? Mm -hmm. And so, and I think, again, that's what Naomi Osaki showed us is who wouldn't want to win a Grand Slam title, but she opted out and chose mental health. And if you went throughout your day and thought, what should I opt out of that will help my mental health situation? I bet anybody could come up with a list of five things. Right. You totally could. It's a struggle because there's a balance, right? I mean, there is, what am I going to opt out of to protect my mental health, but at what cost? Because it's going to come at a cost. So for her, it's coming at, number one, it cost her $15,000 to not do that interview. She was fined. And then number two, the cost is what happens in terms of reaction to that, what happens to your employer? If you're not Naomi Osaka and you're a top tennis player, if you are a person who say you're in a job and this particular meeting that you have to do every week causes you severe anxiety and makes you super stressed out and you decide I'm going to opt out of that meeting in order to protect my mental health. Well, that's going to come at a cost. I mean, and, and it's probably going to be a bigger cost than what, relatively speaking, than what Naomi Osaka is going through because there are lots of jobs in which it's just, this is the job. And so this is how it is. So I, I, what I like is I think you have to be, I like people prioritizing mental health. Of course. I think that's so important and prioritizing what's working for me in this season of life. That being said, I think you still have to be really upfront with yourself and with your family about what these boundaries mean financially or when it comes to you even succeeding in your workplace. But we also have to be at a point where if we don't want people to crack, we have to allow them to stop before they crack. Yeah. Yeah. You can't just be like, oh, they cracked. Man, I wish they would have said something earlier. And then if people say something earlier, you don't allow them to the space to actually set that boundary, right. then they can't say something earlier. Yeah, it's. I think it's really tricky. And I think in so many ways, because I'm a woman, I'll just speak from a woman's perspective. It's much trickier, I think, still as a woman to make the kind of choices that we make that have a strong effect on our family. And for me, I made choices all along the way. Did they cost me in terms of my own ambition? 100%. Mm-hmm. Did they cost me in terms of what I thought I would be doing with my life? 100%. I mean, but I, I made those decisions with intention. But it's I, I came up with some questions that you don't have to answer these, but I think these are the things that I asked myself all the time when I was raising my kids and pivoting. I did a lot of pivoting right and left of how to, to make sure that I felt as if I were – in control of my life, in control of the kind of mother I wanted to be, and having the kind of life that I wanted. And I'm going to take out of this equation in some ways, I'm not talking necessarily about like gobs and gobs of money. I'm not talking Mm -hmm. about that necessarily. I'm talking about, because for a lot of my jobs, I was not paid particularly well. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're a TV producer, let me just tell you, at most levels, that is not the fast track to being wealthy. Right. It's the fast track to having an ulcer and being in control of a lot of things, but not necessarily making a lot of money. I mean, when people mm-hmm. say, like, I'm a TV producer, like, there's a very thin group at the top. That's making a lot of money as a TV producer. The rest yeah. of it sounds way more interesting and profitable than for most people than it is. So that's for, even people who are on the air in TV too. You it's know, getting to I be mean, that way. it's it getting to be, to be that way. That way. Right. It, I know you're right. It didn't. But it, I miss the golden years. The golden years of television are over. But anyway, so I all along the way, I would ask myself things like, why do I work? Because it was working was definitely having an effect on the kind of life that I wanted with my children. Mm-hmm. It was having an effect on the kind of time I was having. It had an effect on my tension level. It had an effect on a lot of things. So I would ask myself, why do I work? Why do I work? And then usually the answer would be, I work because it fulfills me. I need to work outside the home. And I always wanted us, I wanted to make sure, even when I took time off, that if something happened to my husband's job, I could yeah. step in and be able to support my family. Right, right. And I think for women, it's just not as easy to say, I'm going to click out for 30 years. No, no. And that's the thing too. I mean, it's, it is, I think that question is so, is so valid to say, why do I work? And I mean, the reality for a lot of families is because I have to, I mean, it's not just an option of just going, oh, I'm just not going to because your family isn't supported on one salary. Right. And, but I mean, the, the flip side of that is, and, and my younger son is proving this point, is we can always live on less than we think we can. That's true. So you, but then you have to say, am I willing to live in a smaller house? But these are questions I think that when you think about your own mental health and to be able to make decisions with intention, you actually have to search for the answers to these questions. And you may come to exactly what you said. I have to work. Right. I have to work because financially we can't make it on our own. Or you can just as easily say, and it's okay to say that it's like, I have to work because I want a bigger house. I want to be able to take vacations and I want financial security. Uh That's an okay answer too. It's an okay answer. Yeah. But at least you answered the question and Mm -hmm. you know why you can't, but I do like that. We even that's you saying we can always live on less, Mm -hmm. I think is really empowering and, and helpful. I mean, that's just a good reminder. My son's an AmeriCorps volunteer. Look up what he makes. And he's doing just fine. He eats a lot of beans and rice, but he's doing just fine. I just made beans and rice for the kiddos last night. They love it. See, there you go. You're halfway there, Elizabeth. (laughs) I think another question you should ask yourself about mental health, what drives you? We should all understand why we're going to work. Mm -hmm. It takes up the majority of our life. We spend more time with the people we work with than the people we love. So you better love the people you work with. But why do you do it? Why do you go off someplace, especially if you're not liking the people you work with? Oh, I know. The people, you know, and that's the thing. Every time I've done a story on like, I don't know, someone who's worked somewhere for 70 years and then retired, yeah. you know, or I've done yeah. stories on like people who are in their 90s and continue to work at the hospital that they love, right. you know, and I say like, well, why do you do this? Well, I do it because I love the people. Yep. I love the people. No one is ever saying, you know, I mean, they. I think they love the work too, but they say- they love the people. They want to show up and see the people every you gotta love your team. day. Yeah. Got to love your team. You so, can love some members more than others. <laughs> oh, sure. It's never, believe me, it'll never, we all know that it's never going to be perfect. And this is, I think, a question too. If you're really thinking about your mental health and how work, what your work boundaries are and how they're affecting your relationship with your husband or your children or just your children, 
Is your relationship to work healthy? Yeah, to me, that fundamentally comes down to one thing is, are you identifying too much with what you do as who you are? Mm-hmm. If what you do has become who you are, I don't think it's a healthy relationship. Right. And or that's you, a problem. Or if you give too many hours to it. Yeah. Because you're, tr- because you're addicted to the affirmation of being the hardest working person in the office. Mm-hmm. That's an unhealthy relationship with work. Mm-hmm. I mean, just ask yourself that question. What defines a career? I think that's a really important thing for young women to ask themselves. What is it that, and that goes back to, do I have to build an empire? Yeah. Yeah. You know, what defines a career? What, what will be good enough in your eyes? I love that you bring that up because it makes me think, and and since we've been sort of on the athlete train talking about Naomi Osaka today, it makes me think about the, um, the docu-series on Michael Jordan and then the Mm -hmm. two-part documentary on Tiger Woods. And the thing that I got the most out of those is that being that level of great sounds totally exhausting to me. Yep. That the freedom, that the the access and the money and all of that is not in any way a trade-off for all the negatives that come along with being the right. best of the best. I just – it was so interesting because I felt very good <laughs> watching that and not remotely feeling like, oh, I should be – I should have right. been doing that or I should be doing more. I thought right. – this is ridiculous. Like, I don't think these guys are happy. Right. I don't think that, and I know we're throwing around the happiness word, but I don't think they're at their core fulfilled because they are absolutely never satisfied. Because they're chasing something. You're and chasing you know something. Who's been really interesting on that in particular, and, and athletics and mental health is Michael Phelps. Yeah. Has been really interesting about the trade-offs he thinks he made to be the best. Yeah. And I, I love hearing him talk about really protecting mental health because he struggled quite a bit. Oh, um, gosh, I know. And then everyone's all up in his business about some pot. I mean, yeah. give me a flipping break here, people. <laughs> Honest to God. I think this is an important question to ask yourself. And you can just have this conversation with yourself. You don't have to have it with anybody else. But why is the trade-off worth it? Yeah. Why is going to work every day worth it? And again, like I'm saying, we have taken this sort of out of the money question because mm-hmm. money's so particular to each and every one of you, how much you want to make, how much you can make, what you think defines a good living, whether or not you want to make a good living. Just take all that off the table just temporarily and ask sort of these more nuanced question. Why is the trade-off worth it? Mm-hmm. And that was a question I asked myself a long time ago when I was on. I remember kind of asking myself that question as I was taking – I had rushed out of the house. I left my babies in their pajamas. I was on my way downtown. Why is this worth it? Yeah. Why? Why? I love their little faces. Why am I leaving for the day not knowing exactly what time I'm going to get home? Mm-hmm. Why is it worth it? And you know what? I could answer that. The trade-off was worth it because I loved what I was doing, mm-hmm. and it made me really fulfilled. And it was just money aside. I I needed I needed that. Um, right, but being accepting that that can change in different seasons too. Yep. And under oh, I mean, absolutely. just like what we talked about a lot with the childcare and like having extra help. Like I have extra help right now. I I won't have that forever. Nope. Understanding that this is kind of where we're at right now. And it might change. I mean, these regular, regular check-ins like this. Like I have a girlfriend who is a teacher and she has three kids. And so she said at one point she was, they were netting from her job $200 a month. $200 a month was all she was yeah. netting because of childcare and everything. Oh, listen. And, 
Oh, and she was like, this is crazy. You know, I mean, when you look at those numbers, but she yeah. was also looking, it was fulfilling to her. And right. she knew that like being that, you know, what the mom that she wanted to be being out and about working was important to her. And she also understood that that financial situation was for, you know, she had three in daycare. That was the season right. until they get into right. school and then they can, they can have a little bit more of a consistent situation. Oh, when I, when I was producing in Chicago, it was break even at best. Yeah. But the way I justified it or the way I looked at it, I didn't even have to justify it, was I can't – the career I'm in, I can't step out for like 10 years because it's mm-hmm. really hard to get back in. Yeah. And I also loved what I was doing. And it goes back again to I always felt really strongly, and this is probably my own control issues, that I needed to know that if something happened – I could take care of my family. Yeah, and I don't even think that's a control issue. I mean, that's that's kind of like a teammate survival thing too. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's kind of I think that's that's important. And I think that helps there are um if you are a solo working parent right in your home and everyone is relying on your paycheck for the yeah. home to survive, that's there's a level of pressure there for that person that the other person is not experiencing. And I'm not saying, you know, if you're home full time, you've got a, your whole other set of pressures. Yeah. That being said, when you go to work every day, like if if you're the breadwinner, you've got to get out there and win the bread. And yeah. that feels that's a level of pressure that I, I think like for myself and for Jay, we have a little bit, you know, we have more equality when it comes to what we bring in. Right. And being able to say, well. You know, if I lost my job, I know that we would have you and and vice versa. And we try to keep expenses in line with that, which isn't always easy. Right. But, I mean, kudos to all the single moms and dads out there because that is a big darn deal. Right. And single or solo working, you know, your your spouse is home. I mean, that means that that is a weight that you carry into the office every day. That you that is lightened when you know that your partner is when you know you've got two paychecks coming in. It yep. just is. Yep. And then how does work affect your home slash children slash marriage? And I think again, I always lo- I love because I think it's very wise that you always talk about seasons because it is. I mean, and that's when I talk about pivoting. I mean, I was constantly sort of ri- riding the waves of motherhood and career. Of just mm-hmm. constantly making changes all the time. I mean, if you looked at my resume, I could tell you why each job change happened. And more often than not, it would relate back to the children. Right. Um, and so I think I think knowing everything's a season, knowing that you're going to get through it, but just trying to figure out how to get through it the best way possible. I think, and I think that's the other thing that COVID did, is it sort of, it sort of like just gave us such a jar, like just sort of shook us all. To sort of go, oh, wait, what have I been doing for 10 years? What right. have I been doing? What, wait, why am I doing this? All of those questions, which I think are great questions to ask. So yeah. thank you to Naomi Osaka for making me think about all of those things because I think I know. they're really important. I was proud of her. I mean, and at 23, to be able to have just that that mindset and to set some boundaries and to say, just because I'm really good at this and everyone thinks I should do it this way doesn't mean that that's how I have to do it. Right. And and I can imagine that a lot of people have felt just absolutely sick before those types of press conferences and feeling just like this is – I'm a tennis player. This isn't right. like 
part of the deal. I didn't sign up for this. I, I didn't I sign agree. up for this. I yeah. Agree. So way to go. Good stuff today, Marjorie. There you go. If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a review at Apple Podcasts. We have a review. Yay. From Murph EP. Great. Awesome podcast. I've learned a lot listening to Elizabeth and Marjorie and their wonderful guests. Bringing our best selves home is so important. Thank you for endorsing that message. We endorse it. We believe it. And boy, do we try and live it. We're trying to on a daily basis. Some (laughs) days are better than others. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Best of the Nest or go to bestofthenest.com to subscribe to our newsletter. We are the podcast that brings you home. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the Sleep Number Bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.